Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Hello and welcome back to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. Thank you for joining us for another jaunt round the Villa world as we look back on the Everton match and discuss some prominent issues around the club in association, of course, with our new company, Holt End Holdings. If you know, you know. Everyone at Under a Gaslit Lamp would first, firstly like to offer their thanks and support for our stance during the social media boycott last weekend. All of us here passionately are passionately committed to the fight against all types of discrimination, including the awful scourge of online hate, which has become so prominent more recently. So thank you for all your support and patience during during the last few days. And tomorrow we'll be back um, tweeting and, and posting again um, as, as normal. So thank, thanks everyone for that. As ever, I'm Andy, steering the ship today, and I'm delighted to welcome back Craig and Mark. Hi Andy, great to be back. Um, a wonderful win for Aston Villa again, so looking forward to today's pod. It should be a really exciting one. Um, you can reach out to me at Craig Storrod on Twitter. I always look forward to hearing from you, and uh, yeah, can't wait for this show. What's going on, gentlemen? Always great to talk to you, especially after a win like that. Got a little bit of talk about Anwar Ghazi and some other things, but yeah, pl- pleasure to be here. If you, if you don't know by now, you can find me over at Twitter at VillamarkPGH. Love all the comments we're getting, all the support we're getting. Really, really enjoy it. Thanks for everything. Even the criticisms, you know, we'll, we'll take it on board and see what we can do to change some things up. But yeah, of course, let's get into this, Andy. Absolutely. Um, well, Villa, Villa travelled to Merseyside to meet Everton. Remarkably, for the first time this season, um, as the the game was cancelled earlier in the season, um, and yeah, yeah, another late kickoff, which we seem to have have lots of them. Uh, Dean Smith welcomed back Matt Cash from suspension, and he went straight back into the team, which was otherwise unchanged. There had been calls for certain players um, to be given opportunities, not least, not least, of course. Uh, local derby hero Keenan Davis, who many felt had deserved his chance to start. However, it was difficult to argue too much with Smith's selection, as Villa started very fast, getting the ball, getting on the ball, sorry, and 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 pushing the Everton defence back early on. And we soon took the lead with an excellent piece of forward play by by Ollie Watkins and a great finish. Um, guys, talk to me about about this goal and you know this is this is what Watkins is all about isn't it it is absolutely quintessential Ollie Watkins that was Ollie Watkins in a nutshell that performance uh, it was all action I think uh, Smith labeled him as the best or one of the best pressing forwards in the Premier League uh, uh, in his post-match interview and Smith would be absolutely right I think Ollie Watkins led from the front he set the tone and for once um, the, the the players around him joined him. Everyone stepped up, and that was more like it from Aston Villa. That was pre-COVID, pre 
Christmas Aston Villa we saw and certainly the best we've played this season without Jack Grealish and certainly the um, a deserved win over Everton I think with Ollie Watkins though you've just got to be delighted for him he seems such a nice lad he's got his uh, England he's got his England cap I think he's really putting himself firmly in contention for the Euros which is which is good news for him and good news for Aston Villa um, I think if you saw him yesterday against Everton against Calvert-Lewin certainly Ollie Watkins looked the better striker to me on that game um, but the great thing with Ollie Watkins is there's still room for improvement you know he said himself in his post-match interview I should have scored two or three um, Ollie Watkins isn't an elite finisher yet we, we know that his his uh, XG this year is 15 in the Premier League and he's got 13 goals but he's only 25 and he's a young 25 and if he continues improving year on year on this trajectory really the sky is the limit for Ollie Watkins I said way back on my very first episode on this uh, podcast that Watkins would get 15 goals this season. He's got 15 goals in all comps and he'll get 20 next season. So delighted for Ollie Watkins and delighted with the win. Yeah, I was really delighted with this goal. I thought it was quintessential Watkins. I was, I actually kind of thought, uh, I can't remember who the commentator was on the, the United States broadcast of the game, but they, um, they compared him to a little bit of Ian Rush. And I know that's a really, really high standard to kind of set or, you know, a comparison at least. But it does make sense. And, I, you know, obviously, I, I wasn't watching football whenever Ian Rush was in his heyday. But I have, you know, read up on it. And I have, you know, seen different types of video footage and talked to people and all, all kinds of stuff like that. So I know where the comparisons are coming from. But as far as him, hit, you know, hitting the floor, coming back up, he's hungry. And just like Craig said in the post-match press conference or the you know post-match interview from Ollie Watkins, he's very humble but also very driven. It takes a special kind of person to be like, oh, you know, yeah, I probably should have had, you know, two or three today and, you know, I kind of scuffed my chances a little bit. And then as soon as he's asked about the England call-up, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm just focused on club right now. He has the right mentality. He has the right attitude. He seems like a very, very nice man. Uh, and I love the fact that he plays for Aston Villa. I think this is an incredible acquisition for us. I think a lot of people were, weren't so sure about it, even with his championship stats coming to Villa, if it would translate to the Premier League. For the amount of goals he has from wh- where he's going, he's only going to get better. As Craig said, he's a, he's 25, but he is a young 25. Um, and again, I, I agree with Craig about the comparison between him and Calvert Lewin, and I I I like him. You know, I I, I think Calvert Lewin's a, a really strong uh, player for Everton. I, I think he's going to be for a while. I don't think he's a one season wonder by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, comparing the two, especially with Mr. Gareth Southgate in the stands, it, it looked to me like a, you'd rather take Ollie Watkins of the Euros than than Dominic Calvert Lewin. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think what what Watkins actually gives you is is he's he's kind of two strikers in one. You know, he's he can do the um, the Calvert Lewin hold at play, decent in the air, that kind of thing. But he can also run in behind. He's very fast and he presses incredibly high and cr- incredibly hard. And I think that's um, that that's the great thing about him. You can you can you can kind of change without changing the player. You can. You can change the style of style of play of the team around him. So I think I think that's what he brings. And and if if you were if you are picking an England squad um, that's maybe a little bit light light on uh, informed strikers, then I think I think Ollie Watkins is a is is a great is a great shout because he and, and he can play in in different different areas of the of the forward line as well. So I'm. <laughs> I'm just I'm just really surprised because because I wasn't sure and I think it is a big it is a punt isn't it to take um, a player no matter how well they've done to take a player from the the championship 
you know, for such a big fee um, and put him in the Premier League when you, you're looking actually to to improve on a, on a relegation battle. It, it's a big call. And I think, I think, you know, they've, they've got it absolutely bang on. Um, you know, I would like to see him score more goals, but, but he is, I mean, really over the last few weeks, he's, he's scoring reasonably regularly, which is good as well, because he did, he did have a spell earlier in the season where he, he didn't score for about nine games. And, and that's, that's more worrying, but when he's, you know, he's getting these, these opportunities and sticking them away, um, on a more regular basis, that's 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 bodes really really well for for next season, and I'm I'm just um, I'm just really pleased it's worked out, and uh, you know we'll come on to um, transfer business later on, but he's certainly making a case to say to Dean Smith, actually you don't need to buy anyone else to play at number nine because I'll I'll do the job all day long and all season long, so um, you know it, it, it's great stuff. I would also jump in and, and echo the, the, the championship point. You know, there were eyebrows raised everywhere by the fee. And how many how many championship, elite championship strikers have failed in the Premier League? They just can't adapt. Mitrovic, for example, um, I wouldn't necessarily say failure, but certainly he's not the same kind of player in the Premier League. Uh, Dwight Gale is probably the best example. You know, he's a 30-goal-a-season man in the in, in, in the championship uh, and, and probably doesn't break double figures in the Premier League. And there's been lots more you know throughout history you know the likes of uh, of um, Robert and Shaw way back in the day uh, even uh, Leroy Lita you know old players like that there's been plenty of players that just are great in the championship but haven't been able to transition Neil Mopai you could even say um, has he made the transition in his two seasons uh, from Brentford to um, Premier League football as well as Ollie Watkins I don't think so yeah, I agree with that. I think Timu Puki was a little bit one like that, even though he went on that, you know, a little bit of a tear when Norwich, when Norwich was up last year. But yeah, even, I mean, and he, I know he's an older guy and he's a little bit different in that regard to Watkins. But yeah, there, there's definitely always going to be questions asked and there's going to be eyebrows raised about it. But man, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, Ollie Watkins, there's, there's something about him. If he can just keep, it's the attitude for me. I mean, it's, it's not even like, he's overly great at one or two or three things. He's just so well-rounded in a lot of different areas of the game. And it's again, he's only 25. He's going to, he's going to keep getting better. I don't, I don't know, but I, I I do think you're right about the whole thing where he might be, you know, talking in Dean's ear, like don't spend money on a striker, man. I got this. I've, I've showed you Just Let me, (laughs) let me keep doing my thing. Don't, don't be wasting money on that. Go, go get me a backup left back. (laughs) No, absolutely. He's, 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 He's certainly making that case, and you know that at the moment, obviously, that position's his. There's no, you know, there's no two ways about it. And anyone, anyone coming in is probably behind Ollie Watkins for that that shirt at the moment because he's so integral to 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 our to our attack and 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 how we and how we play, um, you know, in or out of possession. So <clears throat> I certainly wouldn't be. Um, you know, if, if if I was a striker coming in, I'd, I'd be I'd be bearing that in mind um, certainly. But but we'll get onto that later. Um, obviously, you know, unfortunately, the lead was uh, was was fairly short lived, um, and it was a, a case of either some poor marking or or just a great striker's instinct uh, that enabled Calvert Lewin to, to to head home uh, at the back post from a corner. You know, there's there's little doubt. Um, that we're we're far stronger um, defending set pieces and defending generally this season, um, but this this felt a little bit like last season's Villa, you know, letting the player go and and um, you know and and obviously not defending well enough really from 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 that situation. 
Um, do you think this is anything to worry about, or is this just a good striker doing what he does best? Uh, for me, I, I think it's a good striker doing what he does best. I mean, he wasn't marked very well. I mean, we'll get on to the kind of game that Ross Barkley had against Everton, and it was positive, but on this occasion, it wasn't. Uh, Craig said last week, you know, there's there's a little bit of something going on between both of these teams defensively that sometimes it just doesn't it doesn't come together. They seem like they're a little bit lost at sea. Um, on this occasion, though, I think it was, like I just said, I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin, he's a great player, and, you know, when he pops up at the back stick, especially after he beats his marker as easily as he did Ross Barkley on a set piece he's, he's going to head home more often than not he's big strong physical presence he can get up in the air um he, he actually loves to like roll away on um on set pieces even free kicks he'll, he'll, he has this knack for just you know getting his elbows out wide and rolling off somebody and all of a sudden he's free as a bird so it's one of those things where I I, I don't it's it's hard because we've seen Villa give up goals like this they were like ugly nasty goals but I, I just think that it was the right man at the right time and that's a talent in the Premier League of setting yourself up as a striker to be in the right place even if it's on a set piece and even if you just conceded a goal the way that they did with um with Watkins so yeah I, I don't know Craig I I, I just I'm, re- I'm really high on Dominic Calvert-Lewin and I like I have been since the season started but I don't I don't think this was necessarily much that, that to do with Villa Oh, I, I I disagree, but maybe I'm being very harsh on on Villa. I think I think the uh, the chance that Calvert Lewin missed or that Emi Martinez saved a little bit later on, where there was a great ball into the box, um, uh, I think that one was was really good forward play. And I think obviously we know Calvert Lewin is really really good in the air. I mean, I had thought to myself maybe we should play Courtney Horse just to deal with him because I think Courtney Horse is the best header of a football <laughs> probably uh, defensively at the, at the club. Um, but Calvert Lewin, yeah, he is elite at the air. In the air, but I do think um, that this goal was avoidable. It was a little bit of a comedy of errors. I think Konza and uh, trips over Al Ghazi. He may have got his his bounce on on that and headed it away. Uh, Barkley, obviously, you've mentioned, didn't really. Let's say, let's just say, I don't think he was emotionally invested in blocking that run from Calvert Lewin. <laughs> I agree uh, with that. That's a great way to put it. That's a great let, way to put let's, it. Yeah, let's put it like that. Uh, Martinez, uh, uh, I think, could have stood up, and then Mings, you know, it kind of hits him on the line, and he can't quite get it. Um, so. I just don't think there's the same burning desire from Aston Villa overall. And we addressed this last week in some detail, so I won't belabor the point. I think earlier in the season, if you think of the Southampton game and where we were keeping clean sheets every week, there was just like an insatiable desire, an eye of the tiger stuff. We just did not want to concede a goal. It was do or do or die for the defence. And I don't think we have that anymore. We've seen some soft, soft goals. Uh, the West Brom goals were soft. The Elmo one where he's let uh, uh, um, the Sheffield United guy, uh, uh, McGoldrick, just sneak in and tap one in. Soft goal. Soft goal at Newcastle. So I think there has been a... a we're conceding soft goals. But one thing I will say is Dinia's delivery is elite. It was so interesting to see in the last two weeks Pereira and Dinia for our opposition putting in those left foot wonder balls which really asked questions of the defence and it made me realise how we just don't have that anymore and I think we really miss Conor Harahan in that regard. We can debate and maybe we will debate now you know the merits of Conor Harahan but for one thing's for sure his set piece delivery is elite and I think whoever we sign in the summer uh, we need to have someone who has top-notch set-piece delivery because it's 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 worth its weight in gold yeah I mean it's you know it's something we have been disappointed by this season generally and I think you know I thought after the first game against Sheffield United where we we scored that that lovely sort of um corner routine um I thought it might be different this season but 
But at both ends, really, I feel that you know, there's no, there's no doubt we're a lot better, certainly defensively. But I never feel like we're going to score from a set piece ever. Um, you know, and, and like you say, um, we certainly need to improve, in, improve that ne- next season. Um, but, but any fears of, of, of Villa being being rocked by that equaliser and, and losing their composure we, were soon put to bed. I, th- I felt that we we just sort of picked up the play um, almost as if the goal hadn't happened. And you know, Watkins continued to look dangerous. You know, I think he, you know, he had M- Mason Holgate chasing shadows for most of the game, um, and, and Barkley was was appearing more like the player we saw before his injury really I mean it's probably the best game he's had certainly since you know maybe even the Arsenal the Arsenal away match um, you know really great ball carrying linking the play um, composure in, in tight tight areas um, and, and, and unlucky not to not to score with a, with a great shot that that, came, that that hit the post and went away Um you know this. This surely bodes well for the last five games of the season. Although he, he will actually miss the the Chelsea game, so four games. Um, you know, especially if he can he can kind of link up with with Grealish and and recreate their their early season bromance. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think I'll have to hold my hands up here and say that perhaps I was wrong. I said um, repeatedly that uh, Barkley, in his previous guise, um, we shouldn't see him anymore. There was no need to play him anymore. But I don't know what happened to him. Yes, uh, against Everton, he was back to his early season best. Um, he was, he was, and not just. I think he was even better than he was in early season because I think he was tracking back. Uh, he was tackling. Uh, he made clearances at the edge of the area. He was challenging for fifty fifties rather than just letting someone walk past him and kind of you know shrugging his shoulders. Uh, as you said, Andy, he was taking the ball and he was driving at opponents as was epitomized in that shot that hit the post and there's no question for me that the best Villa 11 this season that we've seen that the 11 that we had in the 7-2 against Liverpool the 3-0 Arsenal result and all those early season wonderful performances the best Villa 11 does have Ross Barkley in it this season but what I don't understand is where's he been where what's he been doing? Why such a stark improvement against Everton? Did he have COVID? Does he have an attitude problem and he couldn't be bothered and he decided because it was against it's against Everton, his old club, he's he's gonna turn up? If so, that's that's a very bad sign. Uh, has he started to hit the panic button because he he knows he's not gonna play at Chelsea, Villa don't want him and he needs to to secure his next move? Or is it something else? I have no idea what has gone on with him and I don't understand him and I am perplexed. I'm I'm also pretty perplexed about it cuz it's it's not like the stat line for him doesn't show it either. I mean, we we talked about it on the day when we were talking to each other through WhatsApp, but 91% passing for us Barkley and he touched the ball 81 times. No other Villa player touched the ball more against Everton. So is this the the former team fire that crept up? And if that's so, I'm a little worried about that. You know, like Andy just said, we have five games till the end of the season. You know, how's it going to work? Is this bromance going to be rekindled? Well, the five games are played in 14 days. That's a lot of that's a lot of games and not that much amount of time. We're going to need all hands on board if Mr. Ross Barkley wants to start kicking back into some kind of form or act. You know, even if it's just an audition for other suitors that may want to come in for him once he does return to Chelsea from his loan. But 
I don't know. I would love to see it. I would love to see Grealish come back and all of a sudden we finish out the, these remaining games strong, but we're going to need all hands on deck. You know, there's, you never know what's going to happen with an injury. You don't know, if, you know, players in and out. You know, we were already talked about in the previous podcast about bodies being a little bit tired. And I thought that was in Villa's case toward the end of the game against Everton. I thought they started to look a little bit tired as well. So I, I don't know. I'm hoping that'd be really great. I'd love to end the season on a high note and, you know, get, get maximum points from a couple of these games. And it, it's, it's a tough run, you know, not, I don't think that any game in the Premier League is easy by any stretch, but it's, it's going to have to be something. But yeah, this, this Ross Barkley thing, like where, I don't know where this came from, Andy. I don't know where this guy decided. I mean, if he had something different for breakfast that morning, he should just eat that every day <laughs> and we would we would be yeah. in good shape and we'd probably be pushing for, for Europa League. <laughs> you know, if, obviously the injury from him as well. But yeah, I, I don't know, buddy. I don't, I don't know what happened with Ross. I, th- I think the thing I've always thought about Barkley was, is that However many games he has that 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 he's not on it, he's still, you know, one of these top class players that can produce a brilliant performance out of nowhere because he's because he's that good. He is he is a really elite player. So his form it's actually what surprised me is how many games he's had without being able to produce that performance, um, and that suggests to me that there's something there was something else maybe in the background. Um, whether it's an injury or 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 some other kind of problem that he's been trying to overcome, um, because what I do expect from Ross Barkley is to, to to have maybe two or three games where he's not he's not firing, and then to have two or three games where he's absolutely dynamite, um, because he's that sort of player. He's never going to be like Jack Grealish where you. You know what you're going to get every game from him, and you know his top draw. He's never going to be like that. It's just not. It's just not him. So, you know, I, I'm never surprised. You know, players like that do have bad games, and we've seen it from other players. We've got, you know, like we talked about El Ghazi and Traore and people like that who who can drift in and out at times. But and Barkley's no different to that, I think. So it's just really whether. And and the other thing I would say I've said before is is other players can like someone like John McGinn, you know, he might not deliver an eight or nine out of ten performance, but he'll always give you six or seven. Ross Barkley will either give you eight or no, eight and nine, or two and three <laughs> out of ten. You know, which which is no good, and certainly not if you're paying thirty, forty million pounds for a player. You know. 12, 15 million. I, I can I can cope with that. Well, let but, me but let not. me throw a question to you both, and Andy and Mark. Let me throw the gauntlet down. Um, the 30, 40 million, I think, is gone, obviously. I think Chelsea, you know, they're going to, you know, no one's crazy enough to pay 30 million, particularly in this climate. If Chelsea turned around to Aston Villa and said, right, we're cutting our losses. We want his 100, uh, reported 120,000 pounds wages off the, off the books. 10 million is yours. Would you guys take him or no? Um, do you want to go first, Mark? <laughs> well, I mean, for me, I, I I think I'd snatch at the chance, but I'd also, you know, ask them, okay, well, can I only get away with paying six if he's injured for every thirty percent of the season for the next three seasons? <laughs> you know, you got you got to find you got to find some kind of way. I mean, if they're going to drop it to that low, you got to start playing shrewd businessmen a little bit and being like, well, what about seven? What about what about seven? And I'll give you an extra five over the next four years. It might not work out, you know. So, like, you have, like at, at that point, if it's going to get that low, but I, I don't know. Like, do we do we need do we need to spend that with Jacob Ramsey? 
you know, coming coming through? Like, do, do we want to try that instead or in the transfer market? I don't know. I just don't think they're interested. I, I don't think Villa's interested in it. I think they've seen what he's got. I think they're, they're really – it's one of those things where the hamstrings start acting up again. Villa probably hoped that they didn't, but they, they ended up – that's exactly what ended up happening. He had an injury with his hamstring. Um, it's just I, – I just think he's – you know, thanks for what you did. Happy trails. Good luck to you going forward. Yeah, I think it's one of them. I mean, ten million seems very reasonable, um, you know, and it's it's not coming out of my bank account, so um, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm a bit more free and easy with it. But I think, I think, yeah, I think if that ten million was going to be going towards someone who is maybe more likely to come in and and you know and and actually you know play more more regularly and more consistently um, in that position. Or in a different position and allowing allowing Jack to occupy that number ten position going forward if he stays, um, then I'd be I'd be more inclined to go that way. I think, um, but if it's kind of Ross Barkley or nothing, I think I would take him. And I, you know, with, with the, the greatest of respect to to Jacob Ramsey, I think Jacob Ramsey, what he needs now, he's come on a long way this season and he's been great. But I think what he needs now is a really good proper season in the championship um playing every week and 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 really kind of building those 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 minutes up because I don't think he's going to be as close to the first team next season as he is now um but I haven't really answered your question have I Craig no (laughs) one's answered the question well Mark Mark I think I've actually got to know um uh, Andy yes or no 10 million I've got I've got splinters in my backside I'm afraid (laughs) I'm 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 gonna um I would, yeah, I would take him for, I would take him for ten million, I think. But all right, I'd probably even take him for fifteen million, but I wouldn't go any higher than that. You know, I think it's, you know, and I do think he will have learnt this season exactly what is expected of him, and he won't be able to get away with that in front of in front of fans next season. He'll be, I agree, he'll be uh, up I, against it big uh, time. I, he would, so, he, um, he would have had a, a, a hell of a time if there was fans in Villa Park this season. I'll tell you that much. He th- if he thinks it's bad now from the social media and some of the local papers, he, he does not want the hold in telling him to get off the pitch. <laughs> he doesn't want it. <laughs> yeah, particularly some of those uh, histrionics with the water bottles and some of the you know, some of the attitude stuff that we saw when he was subbed um, earlier on in the season. I think I agree. I think this is, this is. I'm going to sound like the biggest hypocrite in the world, but I think if Chelsea were like 10 million and pay his wages, I think he's worth a 10 million pound punt. Um, if you're going to get 10, if you can get eight to 10 match winning performances out of him, where he's going to, you know, that could be worth 20, 30 points at the end of the season. So I think for that reason alone, he'd be, he'd be worth it. And um, But <sighs> he is so frustrating. I just want to know what happened. I'm, we might have to wait till Ross Barkley retires and he, he does his book, which is uh, serialized in the Daily Mail um, or wherever. Uh, but I want to know where, what in the hell happened because I'm just confused. Yeah, I was I was right there. I was right there with you. I was, I could, and me and Andy talked about it too. Like, I just, I don't know where that came from i wasn't expecting it i i mean we're, we're paying a, lo- a large amount of money to have him right now from chelsea so it didn't surprise me to see him start but i was not expecting that kind of performance at all i, I think as well it's the first time we haven't we haven't missed Grealish, so that says it all i mean i remember when we signed um barkley i thought i'm not so bothered now 
now we've got Barkley, I'm not so I'm not so bothered if if Grealish misses a couple of games or because I feel like we still have that creative influence there. But um, yeah, we 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 played some really good attacking football on on Saturday, and um, you know Grealish, yeah, we missed him of course, but but not as much as we have. In, in other games and that was simply because Barkley showed up and, and did what he does so um, yeah I just hope it continues for the next four games that he has with us and let, and who knows we'll, we'll wait and see in the let summer. me throw one more rabbit out of the hat uh, Kia Drabjin is allegedly um, pimping for want of a better word uh, maybe that's not the right word he is uh, trying to hawk Philip Coutinho around the Premier League to get so he can get somewhere with first team football um, so he can be in Brazil squad for 2022 because obviously it hasn't worked out uh, particularly at Bayern or um, at Barca. Um, and Everton are rumoured to be chasing that opportunity. Now, if we could get someone like... Now, that's a big if. If we could get someone like that for a year, even on loan, now that that would be something really exciting. I think the the issue around someone like Coutinho is that we're probably... Wage structure-wise, we're probably around three, four, five years away from him, or someone of that caliber. Because there's there's no doubt that at the moment, um, for as long as he's at the club, Jack Grealish will demand the highest salary at the club. Now, I would imagine that Coutinho's salary, you know, dwarfs Jack Grealish at the moment, um, as well as well paid as I'm sure Jack Grealish is. So, I think. You're not. We we can't necessarily attract a player like that on the on the with the that kind of upper limit that we have at the minute. Um, I would have thought so. I mean, look, he's a, he's a he's a tremendous player. I would rather though see Everton, um, Everton go for that and spend the thirty five million or whatever it is, and then the hundred and eighty whatever thousand pounds a week he's on. <laughs> um, and and for them to finish in mid table, that would that would uh, that would please me more than seeing him at Villa, really, because I I think he might be a bit of a busted flush myself. But oh, wow. he's certainly in the in the. That's where we're headed. We're headed hopefully for for that level and 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 for those those types of players uh, coming back to Villa Park and and absolutely we but we should have got him perhaps when he was 18 into Milan. yeah probably but I'll, I'll just say as far as Philippe Coutinho if there was ever a chance for Aston Villa to get him in and just like Craig said even for a year um I'll get my hair cut like him I'll buy a Brazil national shirt <laughs> like I'm going all the way baby like you know, I've admired him for so long as, as a footballer and I know it didn't work out in some of his endeavors but even at the ages he is now and yeah the weight structure would be an issue but if you can find a way oh Wes and Nassef if you can find a way baby make Marky happy bring Philip Coutinho I do think it's a long shot I do think it's a long shot, but I I do think that getting that kind of caliber of player, that keeps Jack Grealish around. I really do think that. Yeah, well, Jack Grealish says himself that, you know, he watches videos of Coutinho in the Premier League and, and uh, Kevin De Bruyne likes of that, you know, to learn from him. So if you can bring in, even on loan for a year, I think it's a statement signing. I think I can remember when, um, and I um, apologize for going in the weeds here, but when Manchester City signed Rubinho, now, he didn't turn out to be a particularly good signing overall, but that was kind of when the football world stood up and took notice and said, OK, 
these guys are serious. They 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 are here to compete. Um, football has probably changed a little bit, but you do think that maybe at some point Villa are going to have to make some kind of statement signing, which says, okay, we 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 want to push the top six here. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I think I think we do have to, and and we will. I think over the next couple of couple of summers, I think I think that's 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 the way. Hopefully, things will will be going. Um, I I I'd, I'd, I'd struggle with that. Maybe I'm being a bit too conservative. Um, <laughs> you're not used to having but, uh, the money to spend, Danny. This is what it is. You're not you're not used to having these kind of bankrolled owners that they might be able to pick. I'm not saying Coutinho exclusively. But I do think, like Craig said, we're getting to that point. Someone's someone's coming down down the pipeline as far as a transfer that we're not sure of, and we, we we're not going to know it until it happens. And I, I do think it's going to open some eyes. And that that is me wearing the Aston Villa cap. But you know that that's honestly how I feel about. It. There is a statement signing. It's got to happen at some point. Well, let's uh, let's hope so, and let's hope it's uh, it's one that turns out successful um, this time. I think I think just to just before we get onto the second half. Um, I think I've been burned before by big statement signings um, that have come in. Um, Stan Collymore broke my heart. Um, David Ginola was pretty, pretty turgid. Even Peter Schmeichel, you know, he just wasn't up to it when he went, by the time he, he obviously got to Villa. Um, so the only one, the only other one that I was actually impressed with was probably John Terry. Um, so, it, you know, I've I've perhaps had mixed I've had mixed um, mixed feelings around these these kind of big signings, and it's nice to get them. It's nice to feel like you can compete at that level. You've been heartbroken, Andy, and, you, and you're scared. You get, you're scared to love again. You got trauma, baby. I don't. I don't. I don't I, I, listen, we're here for you, Andy. We're here for you. We know what that feels like. We were there. We know what that's like. Yeah, I just think build build it up gradually, lads. Not let's not uh, <laughs> go in for the, uh, you know, I was I was I was desperate to sign Robert Snodgrass two years ago. So let's um, oh dear, let's let's build it build it steadily. Um, but we have our own our own match winner already in the in the squad. Um, and you know, as it, as it he showed in the second half, um, probably went went slightly more in Everton's favour. Um, at the start of the second half, and they had they probably had their best op- opportunities really to 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 take the game away from Villa. But um, Villa Villa held strong. Um, you know the Toffees kind of huffed and puffed really, and didn't didn't really take advantage of their of their dominance or, or su- supposed dominance. Um, and then with around ten minutes to go, it's a, a lovely break into space by Troy Ray. Took about three or four defenders out of the game. And was able to find El Ghazi, who who just shifted it beautifully onto his right foot and curled it, curled it past Pickford from the edge of the box. It was a, it was a lovely goal um, to win the game. And once again, El Ghazi showing that he can produce at this level, um, as his his numbers just become more compelling every week. Um, both he and um, Traore sort of had had probably the largest influence they've had on the game for some time. Um, you know, and this this I think is really encouraging. What do you think, guys? I I think it's very encouraging, and I think especially Traore. He I, I said it last week to where the inconsistencies sometimes get a little bit of annoying or worrying, but 
you know, we've we seen him. He sent uh, – who, who did he send back to Brazil? Alan. Yeah, he sent him, like, completely back to, you know, Christ the Redeemer <laughs> with that little movie put on him, just absolutely just coasted past him to produce a chance. And, of course, El Ghazi with a great goal. And, like, both of them, El Ghazi and Traore, but even by the stats, it's not even just the eye test. They both had very, very positive games. You know, they looked like the real kit and caboodle out there. You know, some may say it's the martini with the olive. It's the whole package. It's the entire thing. So when they finally get to that point in a game against Everton, and, yeah, it's the end of the season, and, you know, Everton's playing for things. We're still trying to get there. Even Ollie Watkins made a little bit of a mention about finishing a European place that I really enjoyed after the game. But as far as El Ghazi, what a goal. At, at, you know, it's just, just, a, just a great goal, and we've seen him do it before. He can shoot from a distance, and he just needs that little bit of a peek at goal to get in there. But, Craig, I, I know you got to love it, man, because we, we share this mutual love for Anwar El Ghazi. Oh, my beautiful boy, Anwar. He's done it again. Um, yeah, I, I, I do. I, you know, I, I do have a soft spot for Anwar, as I've spoken about in, in, in previous weeks, much more than Trezeguet, although we hope you get well soon, Trezeguet. Um, so, El Ghazi, Anwar El Golzi, eight league goals, nine in all competitions. And I was like, OK, let me have a little look through the archives here. Who was the last Villa winger to hit double figures? Well, it was in the championship was Albert, Uncle Albert Odoma, um, you know, Villa legend, Villa championship legend there. Um, but that's the championship. So, you know, it doesn't really count, you know, for my money. So you have to go 14 years uh, back into the, the Aston Villa annals of time to the 2007-2008 uh, season where Ashley Young grabbed nine Premier League goals. So Anwar is just one short of catching Ashley Young. And Ashley Young also took uh, penalties and free kicks, you know, uh, for, 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 for much of that season. Uh, also, shout out to Ashley Young on being the first English player in history to win both the Premier League and Serie A. Um, I was very angry when you left Ashley, but I forgive you. Time has healed all wounds, <laughs> apart from Andy and Stan Collymore, clearly. <laughs> but yeah, so congratulations, Ashley Young. That's, that's a big deal to go and win Serie A um, with, with Inter, so good for him. Um, yeah, you know, these are serious numbers that Anwar is posting. Um, we saw the Birmingham Mail, um, um, so one of you two leaked my Anwar bit about all the players he'd uh, scored more goals than this season. The Birmingham Rail, Mail ran with it before the before the pod was published. But I can tell you, um, whoever's listening at the Birmingham Mail, you can steal it because all the love for Anwar needs to be spread. Go Anwar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it's just a, another... He was probably a bit quiet first half, wasn't he? And um, But you, there's always this sense that if he if you can get him into a into a good position, he will, he will, he'll make something happen. And he loves having a shot. He's never frightened to have a shot. And when he first sort of shifted the ball, I, I just didn't feel like the shot was on at first. It, it looked like he was covered, but, you know, he's, he's, he's curled it brilliantly around the goalkeeper and... And into the corner, and it's it's a game that, sorry, it's a goal that deserves to win any game, I think, and uh, absolutely, you know, really, really, really thrilled for him, and uh, you know, he's he he'll be um, sort of going through Ramadan at the moment, won't he, as well, which uh, which makes things, you know, it adds a certain level of of, of complexity, I suppose, for a, for an athlete. Um, performing, but but he was he's been he's been excellent um, in certainly in the last two games and long may it continue because I think he's making a case for for him to be a big part of next season as well because like you say you know when you're posting those numbers you know you're up there 
with the likes of Ashley Young and 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 uh, an Uncle Albert, bless him. Um, <laughs> you are you are a first team player, you know, and someone's got to come and come and take that position off him. Unfortunately, he seems to be playing in the same position as Grealish, but you know, many people think Grealish will, you know, will, will um, play number ten next season if he's still with us. So, you know. Maybe there is a spot for for El Ghazi more regularly in the team. Um, we'll just have to see. Um, I mean, just just obviously talking about about Grealish there and the attacking players. Um, you know, it's it is said that he will he will return to training this week, um, meaning he might be available for the for the game. And if you believe Graham Souness and Roy Keane on Sky Sports, it will be against his his future employers, um, Man United, who. Who um, they believe will will come in with with a, a huge bid and take him away from us in the summer. Um, I mean, he will of course. You'd have thought go straight back into the into the first into the starting lineup. But but how concerned are you that he he may be tempted away in the summer? You know, we're told um, you know that he has come close to leaving on 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 at least two occasions in the past. I think to Spurs. Primarily, and then and then maybe one or two options last summer um, before he signed the contract with Villa to to keep him at the club, you know. And we haven't got European football, and and Jack will be getting to a stage of his career, I guess, fairly soon where he needs to really be thinking, you know, can I do it at Villa or do I need to to be going to moving elsewhere and 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 playing for a team that's already in the Champions League. Um, you know, and, and really sort of plying his trade in the upper echelons of the game. I mean, what what, what do you think? Are you, are you are you concerned for this summer, or do you think the contract he has at the moment will will be enough to keep him at least for one more year? Um, I think probably we get one more year from Grealish, depending on our progress. I think that he signed a five year deal. We don't know what was said in that you know famous uh, Zoom meeting between um, the owners and Grealish where they persuaded him that uh, this was the place to be. Um, But if Villa don't kick on next season, and that means qualifying for one of the European competitions, then yes, I think next season he will leave. But I think this season, it's really, really tricky. Um, First of all, he's just signed a contract last year and and you'd think he would, uh, you know, he would would want to honour at least a couple of years of that uh, as a Villa fan and... um, also, you've got to look at the COVID finances. Now, the Super League, with the seditious six that we spoke about uh, at length a couple of weeks ago, um, that has come about because the major footballing powers, with the exception probably of the PSG and Man City, who are state-sponsored, and uh, and Bayern, who have a different kind of model, but the major powers, particularly Madrid and Barca, they're all facing financial apocalypse. Uh, Manchester United just took out a loan. Liverpool are signing centre-halves from Preston. Arsenal have just taken out a loan as well. So the question would be with Grealish, okay, who can actually afford him? Who can afford the £100 million or the £120 million to take him away from Aston Villa this season? And I would say that is probably a very short list. It's it's either probably PSG, maybe Juve could do it, maybe Bayern could do it, or maybe Man City could do it. I'm not sure anyone else can, particularly when those major clubs are also all fighting over uh, Erling Haaland for for reportedly 180 million million euros. So I think for this summer it might be it might be tricky for for Jack to to get that move and Villa are under no pressure to sell. 
Yeah, I agree. They're under, they're under absolutely no no pressure to sell. And, you know, you see what's going on with Manchester United right now. And, you know, they're having problems with their owners. The supporters want the owners out. They're in debt. You know, Madrid and Barca are both broke. They're trying so hard to figure out a way to get themselves out of that hole. But, you know, that's they, they did it to themselves, basically, when it comes down to it. But as far as Jack, I just I don't think I, we were just talking about the the statement signing. You might see that this summer. Now I could you know it could be four months down the road. I listen back to this and cringe really hard because he ends up going somewhere. But I just I don't think he's going anywhere in this summer. I think Villa kind of have to make somewhat of a, a a statement signing, and I don't think it's just. It's either going to be like one big player that like it's going to surprise us all, or they're just going to continue to solidify with players that Jack not only knows but maybe even that Jack may be friends with. But I don't know. United's talking about all this stuff. There's rumors that you know they want to go after Harry Kane because he's not he's not happy at Spurs anymore, and he wants to kick on with his career and win trophies and things like that. But I just think that I think Jack's a really special case in terms of like the loyalty and like Craig said about he signed the five-year contract he's going to want to honor a few of those a few of those years at least and I think that he does like the direction the club's going in I mean we've made progress and you can see it you can see it from you know where we finished last season to where we're going to finish this season you know so what happens after that that that's what I mean this next season is going to be so so important not only for Grealish but Aston Villa as a football club to see where the aspirations and then you know you compare that to the reality of the situation so I, I don't think he goes I think there's a lot of talk I think Graham Sooners got caught you know on TV where they had to fill a bunch of dead air and he just said some things I mean you can just put in Grealish Sooners on a Twitter search and the man can't keep Grealish's name out of his mouth you know I I respect Graham for who he was as a player but the, the game's moved on and talking about you know slightly saying that Jack Grealish might be a little bit of a cheat and now on multiple occasions doesn't look great you know, you got to understand why why that happens, and it just seems like he refuses to see that. He said he's talented and all, but I don't think he understands exactly how talented Jack is in the modern game of football. Um, he's a commodity. People are going to want to buy Jackie Grealish, but you know, again, with the COVID finances, is, Andy, is anybody really going to be able to afford him? Well, I, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to know what what sort of situation um, these clubs are in, really, um, other than kind of. I mean, we know bits about Man United and obviously Liverpool, but I think Man City is the most likely destination for for Grealish, and it's really whether um, they feel that. I think I think you you spoke about this, um, or we spoke about this before, and you might have written about this, Mark, where you know he 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 has he he only ever plays you know two thirds, three quarters of a season because of injuries. And if you're gonna basically make him, he would be Man City's um, record transfer by some distance, um, probably double, probably double um, the current transfer record. Um, you've got to be serious, and he's got to be. It's not just someone to play in the squad. This is a guy that has to play every week, you know. And he, is he is he going to play every week at Man City? Um, and is he going to stay fit in order to be able to do that? And I think that these are things that are going to come into come into that that decision. Are his shins up to it? He's had two very serious shin injuries now, which have kept him out for for months at a time. You know, clubs will balance that up. They will say, you know, we can we're not going to get him out of Villa Park for for less than hundred million, probably more. Um, certainly not yet, anyway. You know, is he is he fit enough? Is he able to maintain his fitness for the for the for the season so he's actually useful for us to the tune of 
hundred hundred and twenty million pounds. So I think there's there's that balance to be had as well. But in terms of finances, I think Jack Grealish, maybe not so much at Man City, but certainly at um, at Man United or Liverpool or Real Madrid or, or, or one of those big European clubs. Um, it's the it's the marketing aspect of someone like Jack Grealish. He is incredibly marketable, and that could go into the stratosphere if he moves to one of those clubs. So, you know, it might pay for itself in the long run. But you know, and those are the kind of deals that that big clubs like United in particular do because they're used to marketing players like Beckham and Ronaldo and Giggs and people like this in the past. So, you know, they'll be well well adept at doing that if they if they feel that it's worth it for them. I think he is, uh, yeah, I, I think we said a couple of weeks ago, Grealish is second only to Harry Kane in terms of England players who were Googled, uh, you know, I think for the for the last, uh, uh, for, for, for a bunch of months consecutively. And um, I had to look at this, this injury thing, because uh, Mark did do an article uh, about this on under the com, And Jack Grealish has actually only played 30 plus games for Villa on three different occasions. And that wasn't 40, 50 games by the way, that was like 31, 33, 37, I think is the most games he's ever played, which is one of the championship seasons. These teams, these super clubs play 50, 60 games a season. So it is a question mark to think, are they going to blow their transfer budget and, and potentially make a record signing for someone who is, who is a track record? And obviously, you know, past performance doesn't equal the future performance, but certainly has a track record of... Um, only playing 30 games a season. That's what, it's like if you're going to buy a house or, or, or a car, you know, if you go to a house and they're asking for so much money, you're like, well, I'm not going to pay that because I've got to do redo the bathroom and the kitchen. So I'll give you this much. And so it is a really interesting, in, interesting balance. But I will actually throw a spanner in the works here or what could throw a spanner in the works is if Jack Grealish is able to get back to playing for Aston Villa and if he's able to go to the Euros and if he tears up that tournament all bets could be off I will say that all bets could be off if he goes to the Euros and absolutely shines because then I could see someone breaking the bank for him regardless because we've seen over the years when you get that kind of tournament sheen the big big clubs will do anything they'll break the bank to to bring you in yeah I've always found it a little um a little curious that Aston Villa fans always talked about, well, why isn't Jack Grealish getting picked for England? And why, why, what does he have to do? And what does he have to do? And now that he's seemingly there, even with this injury, I do think that, that Southgate's going to, you know, recall him to the squad for the Euros, you know, but everything that goes with that, with Jack Grealish playing on the international stage, it's called the international stage. Everybody watches it. Everybody's going to be watching it. Football clubs all around the world, owners, people with money, people that are invested in the clubs, pe- people that you know have have the the cash to splash out. And you know, it's a, it would be a great thing to see Jack Grealish do really, really well with the Euros. But Craig makes a curious point. Maybe we don't want him having you know for Aston Villa's sake, not as a, on a, on a personal level, but for Aston Villa's sake, maybe it would be okay if he didn't have the best time or a very very standout performance throughout the Euros. Um, yeah, I just I. I the injury thing's always got me, and like Craig said, I've written about it a few times, and it's it's hard to put that much emphasis and that much trust on one player, and not just the performative stuff, just being there. So again, like Craig said, like go into a Man City and they play all those games. It's almost like you're paying a lot of money for this player, and now as soon as he arrives to the new club, you have to manage his game time. 
Um, are, do, do clubs want to do that? Do they want to have that kind of, oh, is he going to be okay? What do the shins actually look like? You know, what, what procedures have you have done? If you've had any done, like how does it actually go down? So it's a tricky one with Grealish. I, but I, I do believe in my heart that he's happy being here for right now, but it all comes down to the progress of the club going forward. Of course, there is the alternative argument, isn't there, that if Villa know that there's a problem with his shins and there's someone offering $120 million, might be a good time to do business. And, um, you know, football is a business at the end of the day and mm. I'm, I'm going to put my tin hat on now. <laughs> That's said that. But I'm just playing devil's advocate and, you know, sometimes, you know, if he is only going to play, if his shins are that bad, and I don't know, they might be fine. They might be fine. They might be not a problem at all. And he might play, you know, the whole season for us next season. Um, but but I think if 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 they know there's a problem, you know, and they can offload him for a massive massive fee, um, they might think, do you know what? We might be better off doing that. That's a very interesting take there. That's dangerous talk. That is Andy dangerous. Um, it, but it, it, I, is, I, and it is. I'm going to qualify it by saying I don't want to sell him. I'm not saying I want to sell him. Yeah, you have to say that because someone's going to dig it up and be like, oh, the guy over at Under Gaslit Live wants to sell Grealish immediately because he's got a little bruise shit. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think it's probably fair to say. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, well, it's probably fair to say, gentlemen, there is a problem with the shin. Obviously, he's now missed thirty percent of the season. Uh, Dean Smith said in the beginning, "Oh no, this isn't a long-term injury." Well, thirty percent of the 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 the, the season, this is at least a mid-term injury, if not a long-term injury. Um, But I will say the one. The one thing yes, uh, against Everton, I keep saying yesterday, it wasn't yesterday at all. The one thing that we can say against Everton, and I appreciate one swallow doesn't make a summer. I appreciate that. One performance doesn't mean we'll be okay without Jack Grealish. But it was finally nice to see Smith ball again without Jack and to see, oh, we can cause mayhem. We can score goals. We can... Um, you know, batter a team really like Everton. I think that, you know, the scoreline really flattered them without Jack Grealish. So there there may well come a day and it may be sooner than any of us would like to think where Jack Grealish uh, moves along and we will need um, as Aston Villa to be able to cope without that. And we got a small taste, a very, very small taste yesterday that maybe, just maybe, that might be possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just one of those, one of those things, one of those discussion points, isn't it? And, like I always make the point, you know, the other 19 clubs in the Premier League play can play without Jack Grealish, you know, and there are plenty of clubs and there are plenty of players that can that can add to our add to our squad, you know, that and ultimately you don't want to be having to rely on a play on one player, you know, to to carry your your whole season's fortunes. Um so it's either a case of letting him go and building like we've done in the past with with David Platt and Dwight York, no one wanted them to leave, but the upshot was that the, the, the team improved when they when they did leave because we were able to to rebuild and and try try something new. Um, that might not be the case with Grealish, but we we would find some way of playing. There is other ways of playing football, and um, I'm sure we'd be okay. But like I say, I want to be back there next season with my season ticket in K2, um, watching Jack Grealish playing for Aston Villa. And um, I will have to qualify that, I'm sure, again <laughs> at some point. Um, but a player, another player that continues to be to be linked with Villa this this summer is, is ex-loanee Tammy Abraham. 
Uh, it seems that his time at Chelsea is coming to an end. He's continually refused to sign a sign a new terms at Chelsea um, and uh, appears out in the cold, really, as far as uh, Thomas Tuchel um, is concerned. Um, there has been some, some hand-wringing uh, by fans around this and whether this would be a good move for Villa. Um you know, and whether that this would upset Ollie Watkins, and whether this is this is the right thing to do. What do you make of this? And 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 essentially, would would you take him? I think forty million was the quoted price. You know, would you would you take him for that? I don't like the price tag, um, and it's nothing against Tam. I, I I said in the last pod we're gonna have to bring somebody in. I would love for the reunion of Tam Abraham back to Villa again. Where do you play him? I asked it on Twitter actually. I got a really really large response because I said, well, where does he play? Or would you be comfortable with Watkins moving to the right? And it was it was one of those very rare Twitter moments where like everybody was civil and then talked about like what was like how they felt about it and then like a, a, a rebuttal of how they thought that person was wrong without being mean so it was a really like beautiful moment on twitter there um especially <laughs> like having to do with tammy abraham which a lot of people have some really really big feelings for and understandably um but i don't know like i was talking to one of my buddies justin he's never going to hear this but he's a chelsea fan and i was talking to him about the whole tammy abraham you know link and then what we're going to do with ross barkley and he was like you know Chelsea's in a position now where with Tuchel he was like you might be able to get both for 35 million and that got my gear spinning a little bit and that's just a fan it's not like he has any kind of pull with the club or insider information or anything like that but if you bring Tammy in we're, we're talking the same thing we did last week with you know the with Watkins and Wesley and Keenan Davis like where, where do you play him how, how does that all work out so for me I don't like it at the price tag if they can get him a little cheaper, I'd be okay with it as long as they had a plan. But obviously, you don't you don't spend that much money, Craig, without having a plan first. No, you don't. I think um, obviously, you know, Tammy Abraham has. Oh, yeah, he has divided opinion. I'm really glad that you had some positive interactions on Twitter. That they are there. You know, the people. I think the people that listen to this podcast in particular are very reasonable and learned, and we have some good debates with um, with with people who listen in. And you can do that on Twitter, and that, that's the beauty of, of Twitter. But let's talk about Tammy Abraham. Um, so, context is king. I always say that. So. Tammy Abraham, forty million pounds. That is the number. Obviously, Chelsea have leaked out, you know, as what they would want for him. That doesn't mean that's what they're going to get for him. But for context, sixty million got you a Timo Werner, who first season in a new country. So I'm not going to be too hard on him. He might be a an absolute blockbuster superstar in years to come. But so far, sixty million looks not like money money well spent. I think what we are safe to say is forty million. Uh, bought, also bought Joe Linton for Newcastle and Sebastian Haller for West Ham. And we can safely say that 40 million was way overboard for those two players. And what does 20 million get you? Well, 20 million gets you an Ollie McBurney, it gets you a Brewster, a, a Solanke, or a Mopai. A Mopai is the. And a Wesley. <laughs> but Wesley will leave out because he's, you know, he's had a, an injury thanks to Ben Me. Um, screw you, Ben Me. And. Um, just put that in there. And um, I could have used more fruit, fruity language. So, yeah. So, 20 million. If 20 million gets you a Neil Mope, who is kind of an eight or nine goal a season Premier League striker, I think almost if it's in the 30 to 40 million range, you almost can't not buy him. Because Tammy Abraham is so young. He's got a knack for goal. He has a relationship with the football club. But it's similar to the Grealish conversation. How many Premier League clubs can afford him? Probably a few more. Spurs can certainly afford him if Harry Kane, you know, is on the move. That could be something. West Ham have 
come out and said they want him. Villa can afford him. Everton can probably afford him, but are they going to do that with Calvert-Lewin? Arsenal seem like a bit of a basket case as well. Uh, probably not good enough. Tammy, if we're honest, for Liverpool, United and Man City, so we don't need to worry about them. But I think if Tammy Abraham comes in, Ollie Watkins goes to the right or he goes to the left with Grealish at 10. Um, and then obviously Draxler will, will slot in around that who we're signing. As I everyone was knows. waiting for it. I was waiting for it. <laughs> so, but if we get Coutinho, we don't need Draxler, so it's fine. But I, I, what I don't agree with personally, and maybe you guys have a different take on this, I don't, I don't agree with this concept that Watkins is being pushed out or banished to the wing. Um, I don't think that is accurate. I think we have elite wide forwards. I think wide forwards is now where your, your star player goes. Is Neymar banished to the wing? Is Mbappe, Saleh, Mane? Are those players banished to the wing? Is that some kind of punishment that they're not being played through the middle? No, they're being played out there because that's where there's more space. It's less congested and that's where that they can make their talent count. So I would have no problem with Ollie Watkins playing as a wide forward for Aston Villa and that's where actually I would like to see him play um, even if Tammy Abraham doesn't come in. Um, Greg Evans again was very clear Villa will be signing a striker so I, I, I have no problem with with with, with, um, with um, Watkins being moved outside but I don't think you get a better more obvious signing than Tammy Abraham. English, good relationship with Grealish, good relationship with Smith, understands the club, understands the fans, understands the culture, and also was part of one of our best days um, in, 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 in the last 10 years and that, that playoff final win. So I think, you know, the stars are almost aligned for Tammy Abraham to uh, join Aston Villa. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And um, I think, uh, you know, if we are going to, we talked earlier, didn't we, about moving on to the next level and making statements and the kind of... Um, the kind of situation with, that we want to be moving towards, and and unfortunately, I mean, I you know, I struggle with the idea personally of 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 the amount of money that's in the game, and 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 that we we pay for players and players' wages and things like that. But that's the reality of it at the moment. And 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 if we want to be in that in that top six, top four, top two, whatever it is, we have to follow that. There's no other way around it, unfortunately, um, on a consistent basis. You have, unfortunately, um, unfortunately, you, you, you know, if you're fighting a bear, you don't, you don't decide when to stop fighting. You right. Turn the tap off. You <laughs> right, know. right. Um, you have to, you have to carry on fighting. Unfortunately, this is where Randy Lerner fell down. You know, he decided that 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 was enough, and and we weren't going to fight the bear anymore. And and the bear, well and truly, won that fight. Um, so I don't know if I've confused people with that analogy, but that, but but that's that's kind of how I see it. And if you want to be at the top, you can have lots of different ways, lots of different scouting methods and 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 scouting systems and that kind of thing. But from time to time, you have to go big on a signing and sign a player that is going to absolutely one hundred percent improve you. And I think I think Tammy Abraham does that for Villa. He's an international English centre forward. Um, He's not just a, you know, a target man. I've seen this written and said about Tammy Abraham. It drives me mad. This this is a guy that has a lot of ability, um, works hard, can shift to the, the 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 wide attacking areas as well and play in the channels. Um, obviously has a has an eye for goal, misses a few as well, but but never never shirks it. Never 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 um, you know denies his responsibility to, to to continue to get into those areas and, and try to score goals. Um and when I was um 
I think at Chelsea, being back at Chelsea has changed him a little bit. But when I was watching him at Villa, you know, we talk about Ollie Watkins pressing. Well, Tammy Abraham was exactly the same. He used to lead the press, and once uh, once Dean Smith had taken over, um, so. You know, I'm, I'd I'd be delighted to sign him. I, I love him. I think he's a I think he's a, a, a tremendous um, striker. I love the fact he's been at Villa before and he was so well loved and he scored all those goals. And um, yeah, I'd love to I'd love to bring him back. Um, and I hope I really hope we do. Um, you know, that's 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 my he would be my first signing of the summer, without without a doubt. Um, so you would do forty million on Tammy, but not Coutinho. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> Coutinho is a good five or six years older as well. No, I know. I'm. I'm just and, teasing. Yeah. <laughs> Ta- tell no, me. It's a good. It's a good question. It's. It is a good question because a lot of people would would listen to that and think, well, that's 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 madness. Um, no, I think Tammy. Tammy's the, the sky's the limit. I, you know, for, for I said the sky's the limit for um for for Watkins. The sky is really the limit for Tammy. He's already established he can score goals at the top he scored Champions League goals Premier League goals um, and and he can improve those things that that are not quite there yet he's what is he 23 24 he can improve those things you know by the time he's 28 29 and also he's quite kind of skinny and lanky imagine when he fills out you know he could be quite a powerhouse as well if he does fill out you know Crouch he never did but um, you know he's not quite that big uh, Tammy uh, he could be a real monstrous presence, you know, tall, agile, fast, and if he gets, um, you know, really super strong as well, you know, he could be he could be unplayable. Yeah, he can be. And we, like in the, in the championship too, like the thing that was like kind of cool about that time was like the media villa was trying to do like you know interesting media. But do you guys remember the commentaries where they'd have two players looking back on games that were already played? And I think it was I think it was Tammy Abraham and Robert Snodgrass, and he just looked like he was having such a good time, like just hanging out with one of the boys. And that's like something to like be really like overlooked, but that means something to a player, especially a player that's having a hard time. You know, like like Tammy is at Chelsea, not really knowing where he sits or where he stands. You know, to bring him back to a familiar place with familiar fans and, and even familiar like coaches and things like that. Some players are still here as well. I just think that if we did get him for a, a reasonable price, and again, that was my biggest gripe is I don't I don't think it's forty million. I I did, again, Craig said that you know that, that's what Chelsea's asking for. Well, you know, I, I want a golden toilet, but I don't want to pay you know thirty thousand dollars for it. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's it still comes back to the fact it's familiarity. He had a good time here. He has good memories here. He, the fans still love and adore him. I myself still love and adore him for what he's done. But if you can walk that price tag down a little bit, just like with Barkley, I see no reason why Villa won't, won't headhunt for him. Well, I think one thing Thomas Tuchel has done is sink his transfer value with the way he's treated him, which has been nothing short of a disgrace, by the way. Um, just completely frozen him out, p- taking him off at half time, not even giving him a sniff. So his transfer value has, has 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 sunk, and you know his opportunity to go to the Euros. We know we're talking about Watkins. Watkins has leapfrogged Tammy Abraham in the reckoning. There's no chance Abraham goes to the Euros now, um, and and that's all thanks to Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, absolutely. He needs to be out of Chelsea. Um, I don't think he's ever really been appreciated by the fans. It was always a, well, let's give him a go because we can't sign anyone. Um, but that's understandable in, in a way because they're used to Drogba and Costa and, and people like that, aren't they? So, but you know, they're clearly they want they want bigger fish, and that suits me fine because I think I think Tammy is a is definitely a top six striker. I think he's a Champions League striker. Um, and I think 
he, there's a there's a there's a there's a lovely loving home for him at Villa Park, and 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 he would. I think once if it happens, I think all that hand wringing will stop, and I think people will just come to come to um come to terms with the fact we've we've done it, we've got him, and and um you know. But like we say, there are other other potential destinations, and I think West Ham and Leicester are, uh, will be will be very attractive um, options for him as well. But um, on on to Sunday um, and the visit of of, of Manchester United. Um, they of course have had their their game with Liverpool called off last weekend um, after the, some of their fans sort of broke into the stadium during a, a largely peaceful protest um, against their awful, dreadful ownership. Um, you know, it's been a bit difficult time I think for the squad over the over the last couple of weeks. They've kind of got caught caught in the crosshairs of. Of the protests with the fans, and I think the fans have, have been at been at Carrington at the training ground, and you know it's been quite disruptive. I think for the for their team, and now they've of course they've they've missed a game. You know that might have the the um the, serve the purpose of freshening them up maybe, but but it's it's also kind of uh, it might work in our favour as they they might be a little bit rusty when they turn up at Villa Park. Um, and hopefully none of their Birmingham-based fans take on the protest um, at Villa Park on Sunday. But um, we'll we'll wait and see. You know the potential return of Grealish as well. Do, you know, do we see an up, up uh, an upset this weekend? And, and and what have you thought about those protests uh, on on Sunday? Um, I'm I'm all for it. I think direct action is um, is is something that you know we should see more of i think that there's a lot of times where um you know working people you know not not to go go too political but there's a times where working people are taken advantage of or taken for granted and in this case it's football fans you know they were not consulted and they were going to you know these 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 seditious six were going to tear the lifeblood away from these people who are you know their institutions historical institutions these football clubs were going to be torn from these communities that that you know generation after generation have have have, have been involved in and um so i'm glad to see they stood up i think um i think i would have preferred to see them them have some kind of you know sit in just go in if they were going to go into the stadium sit on the pitch and delay it that way i don't like to see the destruction of property or the the lager louts and the beer and the stuff like that you know people drunk off their faces i think that dilutes the message unfortunately and gives people uh, something to detract from the from the from the crux of the matter um but in terms of in terms of the, the the Glazers, obviously they've they leveraged the the, the Man United. Uh, um, you know they they basically bought a club and made Manchester United pay for it while taking uh, you know hundreds of millions out of the club in the in the, in the meantime. So the Man United fans have a right to be concerned. They have a right to be angry and they have a right to protest. And actually, hopefully this this will lead to meaningful change. But I will repeat, um, you know, it has to be the protest shouldn't shouldn't be illegal you shouldn't be um destructing property and and stuff like that i don't think that's on but for the protests good on them yeah and i I agree i echo everything that craig just said i never want to see protests turn violent i never want to see destruction of private property happen i've I've said this for you know there's been many of issues over here in the united states where you know i've i felt really passionate about it but you know you get 
a few people who think they need to go above and beyond and start, you know, tearing things down and, you know, stuff like that. But as far as, you know, the Manchester United supporters, they're standing up for what they believe in. Again, like Craig said, they're working class people. They work hard to support this club um, in any club. It doesn't matter, you know, where you are, you're going to have pride for your club. So when it really hits home and they, they think about how the club is being ran, and some of the lack of communication they've gotten from, from something they love so much, they have all reason to be upset. But I agree with Craig. I thought a sit-in on the pitch would have been a, a much better thing. You know, delay that game how you want to. Um, just keep it peaceful. Keep it respectful. Don't be smashing sky cameras and throwing flares at commentators or you know, all, all that. It's, it's completely unnecessary. You're making yourself look you know worse than what you're actually trying to do with the actual messages. So, you know, if they can cut that stuff out, you can still make an impact without having to do that. Um as far as seeing an upset this weekend, for for me, and this this is kind of just you know me having a, a little bit you know in my head about United being one of those clubs that have been dominant for so long, it would be really really nice to see a historical great club like Aston Villa take down one of the seditious six right after a protest happened. Um, I'm not sure that it's going to affect the players too too much because I'll be honest, I don't know how many of those players are actually in love with. Uh, Manchester United on the same wavelength of their supporters like yeah you can say Rashford of course you know Rashford comes to mind Luke Shaw comes to mind Harry Maguire comes to mind but for for some of the other ones maybe they just don't it wouldn't translate well to them so I would I would absolutely love to see Aston Villa pull something of an upset this weekend and beat Manchester United Craig do you want to uh, do you want to come in on that as well yeah, well, I forgot to talk about the game. <laughs> I, I, I was, I was going to say it, but I knew Andy would have, would have caught it. <laughs> yeah, in terms of the game, um, yeah, obviously Man United will be strong favourites. So if they do win, um, we can expect the Smith out brigade to be back in full force because, you know, we should be beating them apparently. But um, uh, it would be great to see Grealish back if he is going to be back, um, you know, there's, I, it's doubtful he's going to be in a position to start. You would think he's going to... He's going to have to come on from the bench because he hasn't played for, for months now. Um, it would be wonderful to beat Man United. And if we play like we did against Everton, then we have every chance of causing an upset. The only thing I do hope, the last two times we've played uh, Man United, they've been given two of the most diabolical penalty decisions you ever will oh, see. Don't get me started, uh, man. Oh, Pogba kicked Louise and they got a penalty for it. And of course, everyone remembers the Bruno Fernandes, which is probably might slightly more famous, where he, he tries a, a, a kind of a Zidane turn or whatever it was and actually fouls Edri Konsra. And then it's magically given a penalty for Man United. And both games were level at that point. I think both those games were either nil-nil at one or one-nil when those penalty decisions were given. So if we could just... Man United are good enough to beat Aston Villa referees. They don't need your help. They don't need a free penalty. They, they're good enough on their own. So let the two teams play. Let's have no nonsense decisions in, in favour of uh, Man United. And let's see who the better team is come um, the weekend. Yeah, and if you want to give us a, a cheap penalty, that's, that's absolutely fine as well referees um but yeah i think i think i i echo everything everything you said i always always like beating man united going back to my my early days of um you know two of my my earliest memories were were two one nil victories against man united back in i think 92 where we um we played them in the in the cup shortly after playing them in the league or vice versa and beat them one nil both times I think Daly and Atkinson scored one and Dean Saunders scored in the other game and absolutely brilliant. And um, from then on, they they took the league off us that season and from then on, I've just wanted to beat them and we haven't done on, on nearly enough occasions. And uh, 
I would I would I would dearly love to um to do that this season because they they are one of one of the better teams um, amazingly um, in the Premier League this season and uh, yeah I'd certainly love to um, to just and I think as well they've they've they are playing for 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 um, second spot I suppose but they, they're pretty nailed on I think for that and I think um, we've probably got a little bit more to 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 prove if you like this season than they have so. Um, it could be a really interesting game, and if 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 Super Jack is back, um, then all bets are off, and I think we can we can we can take them on Saturday. So, Craig, first of all, give us a prediction. Uh, one 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 all draw. Mark, I love the Villa, but I think it's going to be three one to Manchester United. Right, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say two nil Villa. Oh, I would love it. I'm go oh, I would love it. <laughs> And I'm going to say Emmy Martinez is going to get his 15th clean sheet of the season, and um, and Ollie Watkins is going to score, and uh, John McGinn is going to score, and we're going to uh, we're going to we're going to take them on uh, on Sunday afternoon. And there ends the uh, the podcast. Thanks thanks for joining me again, guys. Um, really great, really great chat today. Great to catch up um, and talk about the Villa. Um, and thanks for listening, everyone. Um, like we say every week, if you want to follow us on, on social media, we will be back on um, from tomorrow. Uh, head over to Twitter, Facebook or Instagram and just give us a like um, and, and, and give us a follow. Or head over to underagaslitlamp.com for all the latest content um, from the first team through to the, the, the youth team. And of course, the Villa women who are teetering on the brink of survival as we speak which would be an amazing um, achievement I think and and really give them a platform so there's going to be some content on that there might even be a podcast um, if Regan and and Georgia can 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 get together and and sort that out Um, but 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 again thanks for listening and um, hope you enjoy the Man United game We'll, we'll see you next week for for a review of that and up the villa